Good. Okay. Oh, we're already live. Welcome to another episode of Main Unstream. And I'm joined today by a gentleman who needs probably absolutely no introduction, uh, Pete Evans. Pete, welcome. G'day, mate. How are you? G'day, everyone. Thanks for uh, joining us today. Very, very well, mate. Thank you. Uh, thank and, you. And, and, and I am good. You asked me how I am, and I'm fantastic. So thank you. I should have answered your question. Uh, you're looking very well. And for those for those of you who don't know, <laughs> Pete, Pete is a successful entrepreneur in his own right. Um, in hospitality, he is also has also um, been uh, one of the main hosts on a TV show for many, many years in, in the cooking space. Go and look that one up. And he's a, a staunch supporter of living healthy, whether it's food, whether it's mindset, whether it's um, just what we do to and with our bodies. So um, I know that everyone who's watching this, whether you're watching, uh, watching it uh, on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, wherever, you're going to love what's coming next. So, um, Pete, listen, you've been in the media a lot lately. Uh, let's not even think, talk about that. Let's go to something you're really passionate about. Where would you like to start, mate? Oh, I, I'm happy to go anywhere. Um, you talked about entrepreneur. That's an interesting one. Um, yeah, let, let's, let's discuss that because I haven't really talked about business before on any platform and it seems to be it's, it's an interesting one because over the years that I've been in the mainstream media, uh, nobody's really wanted to talk to me about that. It's, uh, it's been sort of the taboo topic, even though <laughs> even though a lot of my detractors will say, Pete's just in it for the money. It's like, hmm, so interesting. I think we have a really fascinating culture in Australia where people do not like people making money doing the things that they love. And let me repeat yeah. that again. Certain people have an issue with people generating an income and a livelihood doing something that they love. So let that sink in for a minute because my perception on that is ill health or dis-ease is multifaceted. So anybody can have a disease of some type, whether it be physical, whether it be emotional, perhaps even spiritual. Now, what disease means for me is when something is out of balance, out of alignment to uh, our fundamental way that we inhabit this body. So, for instance, we know that if you have a poor lifestyle and a poor diet, the repercussions for that may be, uh, let's just take type 2 diabetes for, for an example. We know that 90 to 95% of this, and that's probably being, being uh, conservative, is, yeah. is based off the food that we eat. We can develop type 2 diabetes by continuing to eat a high-carbohydrate diet, and that the evidence proves that, okay? At the same time, you can reverse type 2 diabetes in 90 to 95, even maybe higher percent of the cases, just by changing your diet. Now, the other... Parts of health is our emotional well-being and our mental state. And that can also be influenced through the food that we eat because we know that there's a thing called a, uh, a blood-brain barrier or a gut-blood uh, barrier as well. So foods that we eat, if we're sensitive to them or we have an intolerance to them or they do not fit our human physiology or evolutionary um, way that we've 
evolved over the time if once we put something into our bodies that our bodies don't really know what to do it can cause inflammation now when people think about inflammation they're normally thinking about uh the inflammation of of the body bloating or whatever it may be or pain but not many people link the inflammation to what can happen in the brain to how we think to how we how we behave to how we feel and that can be directly related in some cases to the food that we eat but in other cases, it can be related to the way that we think about ourselves and, and our place in the world. Do we come from a place of lack or wanting more or we don't have enough self-love for ourselves or for our fellow human beings? Do we play the victim where we blame everything for exactly where we are in the world or do we take responsibility and accountability for ourselves? Now, where I'm getting to this is going back to that Thing about people judging people for making a living doing something that they love. I would guarantee that uh, my perception would be that so many people that have an issue with somebody making a living, whatever that means financially, uh, successful, and we'd have to define what success actually means in, in, the, in, the, in the world of an entrepreneur because, and I'd love to explore that with you too, Paul. But I wonder how many people of, of these people that have that judgment are not living their own truth in a way that resonates with them. So they might be a, a, a successful business person or somebody that's failed in business. They might be an employee for a company or uh, an, an institution where they're not seen, they're not heard, they're not appreciated, they're not, they don't feel worthy with their ideas and concepts. So all of a sudden they get resentment, they feel out of alignment, and then they may see somebody that is successful, yep. having a great time living their life, doing the things that they love, and also creating an income, which may yep. be, a, you know, and, and I've had a, a, a wonderful career so far, and I don't even think I've started, to be honest with you. And, and, to, and what I mean by that is the older I get or the more wisdom I have, sorry about that light there, uh, the more wisdom that I get, the more in alignment I'm making my choices that benefit me and my passions and, and what I would call my purpose. And a purpose, I believe, for every single human being is for us to express ourselves creatively with beautiful expression of ourself in whatever ways and I want to emphasize ways because so many people want to label somebody or put them into a box that you can only be this one thing. I'll take myself for an example. Pete, you're just a chef. You should only be known for cooking and nothing else because that's how we want to identify you. And Paul, as somebody that's in business and and is an entrepreneur themselves, then I, I guarantee the most beautiful part of your working existence, your career, is when you create something that has stemmed from your ideas or your dreams and you consider that some, a thought comes through to you or a message comes and you're like, yeah, I really want to do that. Absolutely. And then, and, and then you have a choice. Can I do that? Will I succeed in that? Will I fail? 
Is it worth it? Is that really what I want to do? Or is that what other people think I should be doing with my professional credentials? Should I retire? Should I continue down this path? Whatever it may be, you are completely responsible. And when we go back to the entrepreneurs, some of the books that I've read and some of the interviews I've I've, I've listened to with very successful, what people would say are successful business people, yeah. is that the best time of their lives is when they've got that, that spark of idea and they, they look into the future to see how it maybe can come to fruition. But once they make that decision to turn it into an action and start that momentum, that's when great vitality, great health, great enthusiasm, great passion that's when you can work 100-hour weeks without feeling it and you turn your dream or your concept or your idea into a reality. Now, whether that succeeds or doesn't, the beautiful part of that is that creation of an idea. And when we have that in alignment with what makes us happy, what brings us joy, what brings us passion, that's when you know you're in alignment and that's generally when the universe offers you all the tools and the coincidences for you to achieve your dream. Now, I've, I've spent a lot of time with a lot of people that have a lot of fears about their own potential. And I remember a very close relationship I had one, once upon a time and they said to me, they said, Pete, you, you're one of the most unique people because you'll knock on a thousand doors or a million doors and you don't give a fuck whether somebody says no. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. And they said to me, they said, I could never do it because I could never handle, this person said they would never be able to put themselves in that position because they wouldn't be able to handle rejection. They wouldn't, it, it, would, it would shatter them to be able to, want to do something and then have the door shut in their face. And I remember uh, Colonel Sanders with his uh, KFC recipe, you know, yeah. if you've read the books or you've read uh, any of the books about McDonald's or whatever, that's what drives these people yeah. is, is that. But then it's about finding balance. It's about finding balance. I've had in one of the industries that I've worked in, which is the, the culinary world, I've had people say to me, how did you open more than one restaurant? Like one restaurant or one business was debilitating for me. I, I can't even deal with one business. I said a great book that I read when I was 19 was a book called The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Yep. Uh, and Good I don't book. know if you're – yeah, and The One Minute Manager and all of these I, I, I devoured, which yep. – which, uh, every single business book there was for small business, large business, and I've never spoken publicly about this, and I feel like this is the right right place to do it. And the wisdom that is contained in, in so many of these books, you don't have to do it verbatim, and this is the only way, but you will find these nuggets of wisdom if you're open to receiving them. And... You'll also see things that just don't align with you. And you're like, okay, well, that doesn't work for me, but I really like the idea of that. I really like the idea of what Michael Gerber used to say about making a business system dependent and not human dependent. Now, turning that into a restaurant situation, I did my best to implement that philosophy in the kitchen, make it system dependent instead of um, 
Sorry, I think I've got someone living in the package. But I'll just leave that there. Hopefully they've got a system uh, set up that they can just leave it at the door. So um, so I try to implement that in, in the business I was in with my family and friends in the restaurant business. I tried to make it as, as, as system dependent and not make it emotional. And I think it was probably the hardest industry to do that in because hospitality is all about yep. pers personality. It's about human creativity in the kitchen. It's about teamwork. It's about all of this. And, and I loved it. I loved it. For 20 years, I worked 80 to 100 hour weeks in a kitchen, developing ways in which I could make it the most fulfilling for myself and for my team and for the customers. So it was a win-win-win as much as I could with so many different, uh, I guess, variables on a day-to-day -day basis. And one of the things I learned on this was that, and, and, and interestingly enough, I'm just about to open a new business in Byron Bay, which is a health clinic. And I said to the manager that this week, because we're starting to get resumes through, and I said, to her, I said, hey, listen, do me one favour. I said, when you interview these people that are going to potentially be staff, I said, don't worry about any skills that they've got in the past. Don't worry about their resume. Just sit opposite these people and listen to them and feel into them and look at their smile, feel their energy, see if they're passionate, kind, caring people. I said, because we can teach skills. We can teach the, the system. We can't teach people. Well, we can, but if they come with the, what I would call the package of, of love and intention coming from here, the rest is a fucking walk in the park. If we come, if, if we're employing people that are, have fear, insecurity, resistance, selfishness, whatever it may be, and you can feel that, then maybe they're not the right people for us just yet. But maybe they could come in as a customer and see the type of environment that we are intending to create and feel that and feel into that. Who knows? So entrepreneur is, is, is a really interesting thing, and I do believe it's about finding what resonates for you, your passion, and you know whether it's the right fucking choice when, when, when someone offers you something or when you're creating something or when you're about to do something. You know. You know. Mate, I, I, I can't. I have, to, I have to first say, everyone who's watching this who knows me, I promise you I didn't know any of this about Pete, about, you know, this entrepreneurial side. Well, I knew about his entrepreneurial side, but I didn't know about his, his ethos, his, his, you know, his, his way of seeing it before then because when you're talking about, Hiring based on values and 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 um, uh, as opposed to skills, that is a hundred percent. You know, people, people know me. They're like, yeah, Paul. You know, this is this is what you've been telling us, and now you're hearing from one of the top people in Australia, top of his game in Australia. That that's exactly what you do, and I love that because you're absolutely right. You can teach skills, and um, uh, yeah, go on. Sorry. And, and what I love about this is that over the over the course of my working experience and I started work at 13 and, and in a pie shop at a mate's place and then 14 I started McDonald's and McDonald's taught me systems. I loved working at McDonald's. I, I, I am so grateful for that experience that from there I went to Sizzler, again, system dependent, 
all about systems, all about cleanliness, all about teamwork. So from a very young age, I was indoctrinated and, and, and programmed into this way. And because my brain loves anyway, when I was at school, my expertise on the subjects that I love were based on the, was the, the logical ones, which was mathematics and science. So my brain loves systems and organisations. And, and over the last five or 10 or even 20 years, I've really tried to, I won't say try, I've put myself in a position of total creative freedom, which is something that I was scared shitless to do for probably the first 10 or 15 years of me, in, in, or probably the first 10 years of, of working professionally from the age of 13, and I'd call that professionally till 23. I was so system dependent that I was so fearful of my own ability to create something. Hmm. And I'll, I'll give you an example. So in the restaurant situation as a chef, I was very good at hiring people that were more skilled, more creative than myself. And my strengths was to copy these people and then perfect it. I would take their information, their skill set, learn. I would be a sponge. And for years, I would go and study with the world's best chefs that came through Australia. They do cooking classes or demonstrations. I would take myself and my staff. And I must have seen probably 200 different chefs over that time. And my intention was look at them, listen to them, study them, work out how they deliver their message, what I like, what I don't like, see their philosophy on how they combine flavours and their philosophy on food, work out what suits me and what, I, what doesn't suit me, and then copy their recipes over and over and over again and make them, if I could, equal to them, if not better. That was always my intention. And in the restaurant game, when I used to uh, run the kitchens for 20 years, my, my whole focus was every dish, consistency, perfection, make it better than the last time, make it better than the last time, make it better than the last time. And it's interesting, about at the age of 25, I thought, okay, I'm really good at this. I'm really good at copying. I'm really good at tweaking. I'm really good at improving. But where's my creative side of this? Like, oh fuck! So, because I knew it was a weakness. I knew yeah. it was a it, it was a fear in me. And for I remember for a couple of years, I set myself the goal and the intention to create something out of nothing every day that I would put on the menu. And if it wasn't good enough, I wouldn't go on the menu. But I, I forced myself to be creative and face that fear amongst my peers that were, were more creative than I was. And I did that and I did it. And I won't say I was as good as the other people, but it doesn't matter. The fact is that I went into that realm to face my fears and I've done so ever since, whether it be hosting a TV show, which was never on the cards for me. It was like the, the worst horror show that I could ever imagine, public speaking and, and being, being seen. What worked out okay though, right? It, may, it, took, it took a long time to be comfortable. It took me, without, a, without exaggerating, six years wow. of, of, of sheer pain and terror 
that's the only way I can describe it. It it was it was such a foreign and I would say a horrible experience having to step into that space. But when it was offered to me, I said no. And then it was offered to me again a week later. They said, hey, we really want you to do this audition. And because of the some of the uh, spiritual and emotional work that I'd done in the past, I was like, oh, fuck. The universe is inviting me to, to walk this path. I just knew it. I was like, there's something in this for you, Pete, that you, this is going to be a, a decision that will change your life. And you have the choice, face your biggest fear, and that was my biggest fear, mm-hmm. being seen, being heard, uh, being uh, being centre of attention because yeah. all of my life I had hidden from that. I'd been shy. I'd, I'd been, uh, it didn't feel like my voice mattered or appreciated. My father or grandfather used to say children should be seen and not heard and, you know, that, that programming over mm-hmm. and over and so stepping into that fear took me a long time and, and I did everything that I could to overcome that fear. And that was through different modalities, different healings, different therapies, different books, different. I, it was, again, I've got to get to a point of neutrality in this where I'm not affected either way. So I can walk in front of a room of a thousand people or ad lib something like I'm doing now and not give a fuck. And that's, that's always my intention. How can I get to a point of neutrality where I'm not triggered by an emotional response, by an invitation to do something, whether it's by myself or somebody else. And when I find that there's fear from an invitation, somebody just asked me to step into the mainstream again recently to to go into a show. And I was like, hmm, what is this? Is this fear? Is this ego? Is this the right path? Is this going to benefit my future? In, in many ways, my family, my whatever. And, and it, it's an amazing how, how once you're aware of how you think and your beliefs, then you can make, make um, powerful choices. And the more we sink into that and feel into it and not just go on autopilot, when we're consciously aware that every day we get to create our lives, we get to co-create. We get to manifest our dreams if we choose to or not. Or we just go along on the hamster wheel and other people dictate who you are and what you what you feel. And, you totally know, agree, I, mate. I'd like to come back to three things that you said, if I could. First, firstly, um, with regard to, you know, is that fear or whatever, and I, I, I totally get that fear. For me, the distinction is that fear is just, is, is just meaning we give to something that's happened. It's a story we create based on paradigm. Mm-hmm. And fear and faith, they're, they're, they're two parts of the same thing. Light, dark, loud, soft, you know, hard, well, hard, soft, loud, silent, whatever. And the other thing is, and so the other thing, one of the other things is, is a really great, great lesson for anyone in business who's watching this because you said something about um you said about when you're um you're hiring people you were hiring people who were you saw as better at something than yourself mm-hmm. and for me that is the sign of a great leader a leader doesn't hire people who have less skills in themselves in different areas so he or so she <laughs> are better 
You know, you hire someone who can really do your job in principle. I've, I've witnessed that over over the course of my career. I've seen certain individuals that they want to be the leader and for them to remain in the leadership role, they hire people that they believe are less skilled than them. One of the greatest, greatest pieces of advice I ever had was surround yourself with smarter people, better people. Better is not the right word, maybe, but... Um, more skilled. More skilled in in certain areas. Mm. And and I think it was Anthony Robbins that, that taught me this in one of his books. It was also don't become a master in one thing. Um, have ha, Be very good in a lot of things because that way you have variety in your life and you have a, you can engage in so many different areas of life than being a specialist in one thing. And remember what I said at the start, people would like me to just be a specialist in one thing and I refuse to be that. I'll be really good in a lot of things, thank you very much, and shit in a lot of things too. But my... 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 And I'll give you a great example of this, you know, a real-life example. Going back 20 years, when I first got an offer to be on television, I said no, and then I, I, I got asked again, and I did, and I got, I got the job. And uh, here we go. And at the time, people were like, oh, you're going to need to have a manager. You're going to need to have this. So I was like, okay, well, if that's what we're meant to do, we'll do it. So I, I, I had an interview with a manager, and they said to me, I'll never forget it. They said, Pete, we need to find a, a marketing niche for you. We need to find what you, what you stand for. You know, there's, there's, there's chefs out there that are all about seafood. There's chefs out there that are all about offal. There's chefs out there that are all about veganism. There's chefs out there that uh, there's the Italian chef. There's the Japanese. Yeah. They said, what are you going to be? I said, versatile. <laughs> and I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. They said, they said, Pete, we can't market that. <laughs> I said, I said, I know. I said, but watch my career. Watch my career. I said, because I will be able to do anything that I choose because I will not be pigeonholed into a, into a, 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 a caricature of or an uh, into that box and it's probably the and I remember them just like going oh fuck this isn't gonna work you know? <laughs> <laughs> and and I tell you what I I think I've have written 30 different cookbooks over the years that are number one bestsellers and they're all different they're all wonderful they're all varied so I get what they're saying about being, you know, create your brand into a niche market. And uh, you know, two days ago I was walking down the street and I had this hat on, you know. You yep. can work out what that is. And I had an Aboriginal flag on at the same time, a T-shirt that I was wearing. You know, is there a paradox there? I don't know. But can we actually exhibit who we are without fear of what other people think we should be? and just express ourselves however we'd like, you know. And yeah, the answer, but most people don't. And and I'm gonna go back to the the so the manager said that and, and um 
we continued working for a little while, but anyway, um, I don't have a uh, I don't have a manager now. Actually, I just got a manager because usually managers take a, a certain percentage. And I recently, I just had a, a, another one approach me who's great, who works with a lot of people. I said, you know what? I said, this is how it's going to work. I said, I'm happy to work with you, but I'm only going to pay you for the percentage that a manager gets for anything that you bring in. And I've had managers before that have worked with me and they couldn't keep up with my, my and this is my perception, with my, uh, with my momentum, and uh, which used to frustrate me because I was like, this is your job, but I'm, I'm doing it. And <clears throat> that was when I used to knock on doors. And I'm, I'm going to come full circle about the knocking on the door. So re remind me after this. But if we go back 20 years, when I first got invited to be on television, I did the, the chemistry test. Mm -hmm. What the chemistry test is, or the, they put you in front of the camera and they set you up and for the cooking demonstration or for the cooking show, I'd have my chopping board, I'd have my ingredients there and the camera would be there and the director or producer would be there, the sound recorders, and they go, action, tell us about this recipe you're going to teach. And so I did that. I was like, okay, so here we have, we're going to make uh, fried rice, for instance. Yeah. The ingredients you need for fried rice is this, 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 and we're going to turn it into this. And I remember when I was a kid, I used to have fried rice, so I used to go to the Chinese, blah, blah, blah. After about half an hour of that, the producer or the director said, hey, we need to stop. <laughs> they said, basically, you're terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh-huh. And you said, you asked me, right? <laughs> uh-huh. I said, you asked me. You hired me. And they said, well, we're going to have to fix this because it, it, it's just not powerful enough. You're just not good enough. They said, why don't, and it was just when Jamie Oliver had hit the big, big, big screens. And prior to that, there was a guy called Ainsley Harriet. Um, yeah, I remember Ainsley. It was a very colourful character. Oh. And they said <laughs> to me, they said to me in that, they said, Pete, why don't you try being a little bit more like Jamie Oliver? And why don't you try being a little bit more like Ainsley Harriet? I said, that ain't going to happen. I said, I cannot fake who I am to pretend to be somebody else because if I do that, then I'm fucked. I'm stuck for the rest of my life. And it was like the same thing that happened when I was uh, went in for the audition for the thing. I made the, There was a decision that, I, I, that went through my head. It was like, you can drink some alcohol or perhaps snort some cocaine to get yourself into a position of uh, not being so fearful at that time. This is going back 25 years ago, and I used to be a different person than I am now. <laughs> and, um, and I thought about it. I thought, if I take anything and then I get the job, what's that going to mean? So I was like, all the time. And, and, and it's so interesting. Over the years of my experience in the TV industry, there are, there are people that that's what they need to do to perform. Yeah. That's what they need to do to perform. And I'm not saying all, but some need that courage from an exterior or <clears throat> an outside influence yeah. to be that person. Hey! We're on. Come on down. Whatever it may be, you know, and, and, and you watch. 
you watch the destruction of these these individuals because they 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 put themselves into a, a position of reliance on an ex, external influence for them and and it's so fascinating. So I, I said to these people, I said, I can't be Ainsley, I can't be Jamie. All I can be is myself. And I said, if that's not good enough, cool. I've, I said, I've got my restaurants. I can, I can, I'm happy cooking with my team. I said, but you asked me for me. I'm giving you me. In, and I'm terrible at this. I'm the worst TV presenter in the history of TV presenters. I knew it. They were desperate. Yeah. They were desperate. They were desperate to have somebody because the person that they'd hired pulled out um, just the day before they were meant to film this new show. They had mental issues, mental problems, and and I said, "Use me if you want, or don't use me." But but this is me, and yeah. and and I and I said, "I have a, the most amazing work ethic. I will give you hundred and ten percent each and every day that you have me." I promise you, that's that's what I can give you. I can give you my authentic self, but I can't be somebody else yeah. that you, that you want me to be. And twenty years later, I'm still being me, and I haven't had to use any external influence to do that. And now I'm completely comfortable on stage, on a podcast, on a top rated TV show because I don't give a fuck about what anybody thinks about me. Yeah. So we've, we've just heard another one of your keys to success, quite frankly, and anyone who's listening is take note, right? Authenticity. I've noticed that myself. That's one. And the other one was, was um, hiring people who are you know, better at you in something. That are, that, are, that are authentic themselves. Who are authentic themselves, absolutely. You know? Because if you don't, if you hire people who you perceive as not being as good as you in whatever way you perceive that, right? But instead of perceiving them as, as instead of hiring people who you perceive as being better than you, you are never going to pull yourself out of that business. You are never going to be able to exit at any level, and the business will rely mm. on you. And that comes and it comes down to your systems thinking, which is really cool. I've uh, I've got something for you here. I've, I've, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm taking over, but I think this is this is pertinent to. To, to the listeners if they're involved in business. Yep, go for it. I was a perfectionist. <laughs> I, 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 I was a perfectionist. Everything that I did in the restaurant space and the kitchen space, I was a perfectionist. I'm a Virgo, whatever that means, but apparently Virgos like to have everything in their place and, and have the systems. So I was a perfectionist. And when we were looking at opening our second business, that was so overwhelming for me to have two businesses running at the same time in the same state. And everyone's like, yeah, you're not going to be able to do this. You're not going to be able to do it. So what I needed to change, and it was probably the, one of the best decisions, decisions I ever made in that, in that space, it was about me letting go of a portion or a percentage of my perfectionism. Now, what does that mean? Because I used to get frustrated because I'd teach somebody to do something and they wouldn't be able to do it consistently over and over. And it would make me frustrated. I'd be like, how, how, can, how can you not get this? How can you not get it? I've shown you a hundred times how to do it. It's pretty fucking simple. It's a list of ingredients cooked in a certain method for a desired result. Cooking's the easiest thing in the world, I tell you. It's, it's the easiest thing in the world. Except when you've got a restaurant of 100 or 200 people and there's dockets coming at you from everywhere. You're like, ah! Yeah. 
you know, and then you've got to be switched on. You've got to be so on point. Always. You have to be so grounded and so aware. Anyway, so when we were opening the second business, it was actually a third business, but it was the second one in the same state. I was like, fuck, I'm, I'm, I'm going to need to change me because I can't change these other people. That person that is replicating this recipe, this chef, they're actually trying to do 100%. But, but, but what they're producing is 80% of what I would consider 100%, you know, as far as the look, the flavour, the, 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 the consistency of what happens in a business. And restaurants are made and break. Uh, um, uh, they make or break themselves based on the consistency of their food. One of the, one from from the food side of things or the culinary side, it needs to be the same thing that you ate last week. You thought that was the best meal in your life. You go there the next week. You want the same freaking thing. Absolutely. And if, and if it's a little bit off, you're like, hmm, different chef tonight. <laughs> did, did they have a big night last night? And so I had to just go. Okay, this person is actually really trying but they're not meeting my expectations. So if I lower my expectations to maybe 90% or 80%, then they will reach my expectations, if that makes sense. I mean, it, and I don't, I'm not here to belittle something, but for me to grow and to expand, I needed to change my, my perfectionism. <laughs> Otherwise I was gonna go crazy and we wouldn't be able to expand. And I actually had to think about it, I said, from a customer's point of view, there might be, for me, it might be 10, 20% between my version and their version. But would the customer really know? Would it just be, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, that was a good meal. If they were producing something that was terrible or shit that they'd send back, then we've got a problem. But actually, that's, that's pretty damn good. I'd still be happy to eat that. Maybe it's not perfect. But for the customer that's sitting there with a glass of wine and they're sitting opposite their loved one and they're having a good time and they're just eating and they're not analysing it like I'm analysing it, maybe that, maybe that, maybe that's okay. And that was a, um, a, a great awakening for me and a great awareness and it took a lot of pressure off me. And I'm not sure if anybody's listening that has staff members that are, you're frustrated with and you're like, how come this person can't fucking do it? Like I, I, I want them to do it. But you know they're actually doing the best that they can. Yep. You know, so sometimes we have to change and not expect others to change. And that can be very humbling. It can be very frightening as well. You're like, oh, my business relies on this level of expertise. What would it mean if it dropped down a little bit? You know, and maybe medical professional, that can't happen. You know, that's why they're trained to be, you know, you don't want a 90% job when someone's cutting you open or removing a tumour, for instance. You want, you want 100% consistency. But certain businesses can have a little bit of leeway, I think. And, yeah. and that, 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 that's what I was going to say. And I, I know that I said something before, which was, which I asked you to remind me about uh, that I could finish with, and I'm not sure if you remember because I forgot. I didn't make a note, and I do remember. It will, it will come back to me in a moment. I apologise, Pete, because I was like, oh. I'm 52. I'm a few years older than you, mate. You're a good-looking rooster, that's for sure. Thanks, mate. But you, what you are saying there, again, you know, listen, um, we, 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 we can only change ourselves. And when we change our perception, you're right, when you change our perception of whatever it is, a person, a situation, we change how that situation is. Yeah, 
I, I totally agree. Um, I was going to say at the very beginning because you're you know talking about um, systems, and I you you probably don't you may not know this. But my my first two jobs and my first my sorry my only two jobs and my first business were both in hospitality, and it is indeed a very difficult one to systemize and mm-hmm. keep that human thing going right because systemization in business for me should always be put implemented to free up human resources so that they can go and pursue within your business whatever it is they're phenomenal at whatever it is they're passionate about and what and serves the, the goals and values of the business otherwise you know we're just replacing people we're getting rid of them and, and all the rest of it and that's not for me that's not the point and within hospitality that is so difficult to do but you said something at the very beginning um about uh, you sort of you you were leaning on system systemization on systems because that was your was basically your paradigm until the time and were fearful of showing you and I think a lot of people have that they not necessarily their systems because a lot of people just don't have systems but a lot of people have <laughs> their business they lean on and are afraid to let themselves shine through and mm. how did you, how did you overcome that mate I'm sure a lot of people if if, if you're happy to share that yeah it was. Um... Ask me the question once again, if you can, succinctly, so I can so I can answer it the best that I can. Absolutely, I'll reframe it. So, a lot of people in business. So you you sorry, you you were saying that you effectively were leaning on system. You, you know, systems were your crutch, and you mm-hmm. were fearful uh, of you know showing yourself. And a lot of people have that in their business. If they have something they lean on, and they don't show themselves to the business, so they're not being fully authentic. Mm-hmm. There's something that you did, or what was, what was your journey out of this? It probably wasn't one thing you did, but what do you think your journey was out of being fearful? Obviously, yeah. you kept... I think you're going back to what I was saying was the creative aspect. That was my biggest fear. Can I create something out of nothing? Can I create a new dish? Can I create a new flavour combination? That That is completely and uniquely what I believe never been done before. Can I do that? And can I do that consistently? And it, that was really challenging. I mean, it might seem strange to people and, and small, but for me, that was, a, that was a huge undertaking for me to go onto that journey. And yeah. we, we all have these different things in our lives that we don't believe we're good at. You know, some of us have these, these beliefs that are wired into us. And my, my greatest passion is, is this. It's... It's helping people find their blockages or their negative belief patterns that keep them in a state of imbalance or not living with their purpose, not letting that shine. And um, once you identify what they are, again, you have the choice. Do I really want to face this? Do I want to go through this? And so a lot of the work that I've been doing over the last 20, 30 years, and I'll just explain this. I've had a thousand different therapy sessions in my life. And when I say therapy, it's not the conventional therapy that many people would would think about. It might be body work. It might be um, a shamanic healing, you know, in, in, in a jungle drinking plant medicine. It might be seeing a person that is really good at unlocking our limiting belief patterns. 
uh, therapy such as neuroemotional technique. It might be lying on a crystal bed with a healer that uses crystals to help move your energy. It might be with a chakra balancer. It might be simply looking at a, uh, a campfire with your friends and having a good old yarn. It might be any of these things, but I've had a thousand and I'm open to it all. I mean, it, even this week, I've probably had four or five different healing sessions from people all around the world remotely uh, that I'm open to. And, and this might be the point where people just go, I, I told you it's crazy. <laughs> you know, I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for this moment. We got him. But I tell you what, I tell you what, when, if that's a fear of yours, the fear of the unknown, the fear of the spiritual world, the fear of the natural world, and you're in business and you are not achieving the goals that you desire because of a limiting self-belief or not understanding how your team works to create harmony and balance moving forward in the same direction, there may be, may be a blockage or a pattern that you have or your partner has, or partners have, or staff have, which is not allowing you for evolution or growth of your business. Because every time you go to do something, there seems to be something that comes in to prevent that. Now, from my understanding, it's generally our belief systems that are running, and it might not be yours, Paul, but it might be your business partner that hasn't worked out their shit yet. They might have fear about growing their business because they're quite happy where they are, even though outwardly they're like, yep, we'd love to do that. I'd love to open 10 of those places. But inside they're like, oh, my dad did that and he fucking lost everything. So maybe I'll just stay here nice and nice and small, protected. You know, this is, this is a nice feeling. And I'm not saying everybody needs to go out and become billionaires or anything like that. But think about what may be running your programs that is not allowing the for your dream to unfold and it's fascinating when you're in a partnership because a partnership you times that by having many people whether it's one partner could be a, your personal relationship with your wife or husband or boyfriend girlfriend whatever it is and especially when it comes to a family business a lot of people are in family businesses and even in a family, we all have different roles and different beliefs that have been, we've adopted in us. And you're looking at your family member going, yep, you've got that one, you're, you're, that, that you're stuck there. But you want to, your, your trajectory is that way. But they've still got insecurities and fears about their own success or their own understand or their own belief about failing. I don't give a fuck if I fail. I couldn't care. I, I can live on, I used to work for $3 an hour as an apprentice chef and I was as happy then as I'm, I'm happy now. And it, it's this interesting journey that we go on, but I, I will just say that if you do have a, a, a fear or blockage or, or a situation in your life or business that you can't seem to res, re, uh, resolve or it keeps repeating, because that's what patterns are. They, they keep repeating. Have I got a staff member that keeps stealing from me? Have I got a business partner that has stolen from me in the past? Have I, am I watching my competition grow at a rate that they're not even as good as what I do, but they're achieving great things? 
what have they got that I don't have? Now, this is when you start to look at it not just from a systems point of view, but you start to look at what I said at the start. How am I physically? How am I emotionally? How am I spiritually? Are there any imbalances or blockages there that I might need to have a pretty fucking hard look at and go, yep, yeah, I don't want to look at that, but, yeah, I do have a fear, fear around failure. I do have a fear around being seen. I do have a fear of playing in the the big boys or girls group of business, you know? I, I don't know what it is, but, um, and I want to go back to something that I learned many, many years ago with my staff is your, and, and I'll go back to the chef analogy here. I used to watch Gordon Ramsay and people would always say, why is it that Gordon Ramsay yells at his, at his, at his staff and I said, well, probably for the TV, it's entertainment and it's, it's, it's the hook. But they said, well, why, do chefs, why are chefs renowned to have a bad temper in, the, in that industry? And I said, well, there's many reasons. I said, the most, what I would perceive, the reason that chefs yell at their staff is because they're terrible communicators. They're terrible teachers. They're terrible leaders because they themselves have not taught that person to do what they need to do. And I I was discussing this before about the 80%, 90%, whatever it may be. But if you have a leader that is a terrible communicator, then it it will never be a pleasant journey. And when I was 17 years of age, my first job as an apprentice, I worked in a hierarchical system of chefs and I was physically and mentally, emotionally abused on a day-to-day basis just for going into work and wanting to do a job. They would be in this belief pattern where they would, they thought that as soon as somebody new comes in, they need to belittle, they need to denigrate them, they need to cause uh, physical and emotional pain to break them. And what I... The hazing. What I, yeah, and what I learned in that situation for me was, and I, I, I remember it to the day because I pulled a knife on this guy. Uh, and I've, I, I, you have to understand, I was the, the shyest, scaredest 17-year-old you could ever imagine. But it got to the point after three months of physical and emotional abuse. And I said, I, I grabbed my knife off the chopping board. I said, if you ever say this to me again or do that to me again, I will use this. I said, it stops now. It, it fucking stops now. I'm not your plaything. I'm here to do my job. I'm here to learn from you and your colleagues that are laughing at me. That's your job is to teach me, not to break me, not to inflict mental whatever games. I said, I'm here to learn a craft that I have chosen. I ended up leaving a couple of days later. That guy ended up uh, having a motorcycle accident. It wasn't me. Uh, a few months later, broke both of his arms, both of his legs. And what I learned from that situation is if ever I got into a position of authority or leadership, and I don't like the word authority, but I would make sure that I taught my team or my staff from here, from the heart, and with passion and compassion and understanding that to create a great team, we don't need to do it the way that it's always been done. We can do it. We can create a new system. 
we can create a new way of learning. And, and you can ask anybody that's ever worked with me over those 20 years of me running restaurants. I guarantee you they will say Pete was probably the fairest, most generous, most easygoing boss or head chef or owner of a restaurant that they'd ever worked with. And, and I didn't do it to make my life easier, even though it did make my life easier. I did it on the basic fundamental principle that we're all equal. We all want to contribute. We all want to express ourselves. We don't want to be in fear and intimidated because it's the way that it's always been done. And you can make parallels right now to what is happening in this country and other countries with this virus yep. right here, right now, intimidation, int uh, fear, not uh, being a victim, not having control over your own actions. And which is why I stand up and I, I'm calling out the bullshit as I see it, is that I've dealt with bullies in, in the past and right now we are seeing the biggest form of bullying I believe that has ever happened from mainstream media, from our medical professionals, from our government, yeah. that, that has ever transpired. And we have a choice. We can go along with it and take the abuse, take the ridicule, take the impositions for a false narrative, or we create a new system. We create a new system based on trust compassion, understanding, love, education, information. We can do this. We have the ability to do this on a large scale. Most people, and I'll generalise here, are fearful of that situation. They're fearful of their own power. They're fearful of being able to make a stand for themselves and have a voice for themselves. And I tell you, you've got nothing to fear. You've got nothing to fear by doing that, by opening up your voice and expressing what you think and feel. And I, and I will go back to what I learned in business with my staff, and, and I never saw them as them working for me. I saw them as working with me. We were a team. And I had these amazing two chefs and they've worked with me for the last 13 years. They're twin sisters. And over the years, they have basically done so much work for me, but I actually haven't had to do anything with them. I could see their potential as leaders. I could see their potential as human beings, being able to express themselves and have great responsibility. I was like, you just do what you want to do. I'll never check your work hours. I'll never, I'll, you just do, you just be that. I'll send you some information that I would like you to create, whether it be a cookbook, but I trust you implicitly. I trust in you as a human being to be able to take responsibility for your job and turn it into something better than what I could do. I give, I, it's not that I give you that power. I, I, I trust you to be the best version of yourself for this desired task. And yep. that's a very different paradigm or philosophy for a lot of leaders to, and it doesn't mean you just let them go free. You know, you still need to check over the work and everything like that, but, but actually 
letting people shine, you let them shine, I tell you what, they will produce the most amazing work that you could ever imagine. Yep. And it, fuck it, it blows my mind. It blows my mind to watch people suppress other people's potential because that's the way that it's always been. Let me offer it because a lot of you write, some people listen to that and say, oh, yeah, but you can't let them run right or whatever. Let me, let me, let me offer a bit of context for those people who may think that way. And I'm going to tell straight out, I don't really, I don't often tell people they're wrong. I'm going to tell those people who think that's right straight out they're wrong. Authority that is imposed is a very weak authority. Mm -hmm. Authority that is offered is true authority. And there's a difference between offering authority and, and elected authority. We elect people and, you know, X percentage of people elect those people and they offer up their, offer it up. The other percent don't. But in a, in a business, when, when you have a leader who helps their people to bring out the best in them, helps them to shine in their own truth for the benefit of the business, those people will offer up their authority gladly and they will follow you. And that is the difference between someone who's, there's a, there's a, there's a distinction between letting people run riot, which, which is not what you're talking about. No, no. I mean, again, systems. Yeah, systems. <laughs> you have it. It's like, okay, the deadline is in three months. This is what we need to achieve. Go for it. Fill me in on the way so I can see if you're in the right direction or not. But, I, I mean, every business is different and every, everything is, is, is unique, and that's what makes it so wonderful. And what I find about this going back, and sorry, there's building works going on, if you can hear that. Um, what I find so fascinating about my personal journey, and most people would know me as the guy off television or the guy that promotes a, a, a wacky diet of meat and vegetables or seafood and vegetables. Like, he's, he's, a, he's a nut job. He, he promotes organic meat and wild-caught seafood and organic vegetables that haven't been sprayed with poison. God yeah, lock, lock him up. And... And the reason that I love doing what I do and have such versatility in what I do and have such freedom in what I do, and I'll repeat that, I have complete freedom in what I choose to do. No one can dictate to me what I get to do in life. Yeah. Freedom. Freedom is paramount. Freedom is your ability to make your own choices on a day-to-day -day basis that's not influenced by anybody else. You can work in a team and come together for a common good. I'm not saying to be selfish, but your day-to-day -day, uh, routine, whether it be what you eat, how you sleep, who you sleep with, who you have a relationship with, how you think, you have complete authority over that. Nobody can take that away, even though it seems that that is starting to happen with what's going on in the world. I think there's, there's a push for less and less personal freedom and less and less personal choice. And I believe that if it keeps going that way, then you will see a movement rise up to challenge that. It's, it's happening in different parts of the world now. It's happening in New Zealand. And if you had a fellow last week who's not a politician, but he started a movement to say, hey, enough is enough. This, this doesn't make sense here. This, this, this does not add up. Never underestimate the, the power of one person, I tell you that, regardless of their qualifications, regardless of anything. All it takes is that 
that courage, that, that, that strength, that, that conviction, he might not succeed in what he wants to do, but fuck, at least he's had a go. He's had a go. And um, the reason that I loved being versatile and that I can wear many hats, you know, whether it's a Bunnings hat or a, a make, make Australia Great Again hat or whatever it may be, is that I've chosen that. And the benefit that has come from me exploring the health modality, whether it's diet, whether it's how we think, how we, how we behave, how we move, our connection to nature, is that what I get in return, my return on, on, of investment for everything that I've studied, and I conduct about three or four podcasts per week with leading scientists and doctors from around the world, I put myself into the position of a student so I don't know everything on a day-to-day -day pretty much basis. I have the intention, I'm the student today, I'm a student today, what am, I, what am I going to learn? When it's time to put the hat on as a teacher, how am I going to share that? And what has been the most beautiful part of this and my return of investment is ongoing, beautiful, sustainable health for myself and my family, which is uh, cannot be debated by anybody because I am the facilitator of that and I, I, I know how I feel on a day-to-day -day basis. And I will, I will adapt whenever I'm not feeling powerful or strong or healthy or resilient or full of passion and full of, uh, full of life's purpose. And, but the return of investment that I get, and it's not in a monetary way because I, I have to tell you, I have invested millions of dollars of my own money without a return on that financial investment because my intention is to share messages out to the world that can then create the return of investment, which is a better society, a better population, a healthier population. And the, the great thing about what I, what I and others do in this field of sharing information to help people feel better is that those people that end up changing their lives, that have more vitality, more, more strength, more passion, more sparkle in their eyes, is that they go out there and then they are those beautiful expressions of creativity and all their dreams can start to manifest and co-create with our dreams. Because at the moment we have a society or Western population that 70% are overweight, obese, on, have chronic illness, uh, are on multiple medications. Now those people, they can function, but are they functioning to their highest potential? Are they struggling to get through the day because they're in pain or suffering or lethargic? Are those ideas that we talked about at the start of the, the, the conversation, those ideas that we come to us about what we would like to achieve in this life, what we would like to contribute to community or society, what we would like to create out of nothing. It could be a piece of art. It could be planting a, a herb garden. It could be volunteering at the, the hospital in the children's cancer ward. It might be something else. It might be starting a business to help other people. It might be a, a, a new, whatever it may be, a solution to some of the world's problems. I guarantee when people are functioning from a state of physical uh, vitality, emotional clarity, 
mental clarity and spiritual purpose, that's when we will create a much different world than what we currently have. So that's that's why I love doing what I do and, and the people that I interview love doing what they do because they're getting long-term sustainable results for their clients, their patients, their friends, their family. And that's where the magic happens. That's where the magic happens. That's when we do create a better environment, a better uh, life for our children and their children and, and so on and so on it goes and we remove these layers of fear and I feel like that is happening at the moment with with what this virus has offered a lot of people which is to re re-establish their values or to look at their belief systems and and have a little bit more time on their hands and to start to question the authority. And what I mean by that is there are so many small businesses, medium-sized businesses, even large businesses that are decimated, destroyed, obliterated, or hanging on with life support at the moment. Like, someone's going to be soon, so that one, they're going to be dead too. And, and, it, and by, the, by the way it's going, it's going to get even worse. And I, I'm not here to put fear into anyone's, uh, out there. any extra fear, but by, the, by what looks like is happening. And remember, we always have a choice. We do not let, have to let that happen. We do not let, have to let that be the reality. Just because a few people have decided that of some flawed science or, some, or to look like they're part of the pack, so that they so that their asses are covered. I'm telling you what's going to happen is there's going to be some serious stuff going down in the future if this continues to go down because humanity will rise. The spirit of humans will will, will, will rise. Yep. I'm we telling you. We we have a we have a choice. We have a we have the choice to change what is going to happen. There is a unified field of consciousness which we all plug into, and we mm -hmm. can we can affect that change. It's just a question of we, it's not a question of whether we, we we can we can. It's a question of are we willing? Are we willing to stand up and be awake and be counted? Well, I'll, I'll finish with this if you don't mind. So most of the people that I've had a hundred thousand people that I know of do my online course, which is about to come offline. We've offered it for free. It's got 300 recipes and, and teaches people how to meditate, how to look at their belief patterns, how to cook beautiful food that's going to be nourishing for themselves and their family. And out of those 100,000 people, guess how many people have come to me and said, hey, Pete, that didn't work. In this day and age of of social media and uh, trip advisors and Yelp and people, people commenting, negatively or positively. Guess how many people have come to me and said, hey, Pete, we, the 100,000 that have done the program said, it didn't, it didn't help, it made me sicker. I'm, I'm gonna guess quite cynically, a very large percentage. No, it's none, excellent. Wow. Zero. You won't hear that in mainstream, right? No. And um, <laughs> it's, um, it's, um, it's, it's, it's amazing what, what can happen when people take responsibility for their own health, for their own actions, 
and and my demographic over the years has been generally 50 to 80 year old women and and the the the, the reason i'm bringing this up is because where we are in society at the moment right now is these people that have trusted me and generally and and my colleagues we were the last resort they had exhausted pretty much everything else that was out there modern medicine and i, and I, I love modern medicine and holistic medicine together equally i'm not bagging one or the other there's 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 issues in all areas but I'm open to it all. But they had exhausted so many different avenues that they didn't find the solution that they were after. And the last thing they were like, okay, fuck, I've heard some people get better using Pete's philosophy, and, and I didn't create it just by the way. There's some amazing doctors and scientists that created this and, and have done the work. I just translated it into delicious recipes. And, and and my my strength that I've worked out is I'm a bridge between mainstream and natural or alternative. So that's that's I understand my role in that. And these people were at breaking point. They were suffering so much that they had to really they had to question themselves. You go, I, I, I don't really like what that Pete Evans guy. If, if, you know, fuck. If if I've got to go down that path, it's 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 my last chance but I'm willing to do whatever it takes to, to feel better. When people are put into a position, people will not, some people will not change until they're suffering and in so much pain. Now, my question is, with what's happening at the moment, with the businesses being closed down, with the travel restrictions, with people not being able to see their, their loved ones in different parts of the world or different states at the moment, mm -hmm. How much suffering will it take? Will it happen this year if it continues to go? Will people keep living in pain and suffering? Because we know that that's, that's usually the breaking point. And some people will then go, okay, I've had enough. I can't keep doing this. Hence the people that have come to me with dietary advice. Yep. We'll try anything now. Now, when we're living in a society at the moment where we, we haven't seen the pain and the suffering from all of these business shutdowns and, and uh, economic woes. Yeah. And a dear friend of mine, Charles Eisenstein, has written extensively beautiful essays about what's been going on in the last few months. And what he said is, this is an invitation for us as a society, as a population, as a consciousness, human consciousness, we're invited to grow, to evolve from this, to step into our magic, to step into our strength, to lift the veil off where we are currently. He said, and if we don't take the invitation now, collectively, next time it comes around, it could be next year, it could be five years' time, it could be 20 years' time, it will be more difficult for us to step into that power. And if we don't take it then, the next time will become even more difficult and the world that we will inhabit will be even darker and, and more challenging. But we will always be offered an invitation to step up and to change. It just depends on how much pain are we willing to suffer 
until that change takes place. And I, 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 I full heart, wholeheartedly believe in what he says. And from my view of the world and, and the people that have changed their lives, usually it takes breaking point for them to change. Are we at breaking point now? I don't think so. But numbers are, but, but, but here's the key. I'll just finish with this. Here's the key. So for years, I have been challenged by medical professionals, by the authorities. And the thing that we promote is prevention. Prevention. When you are sick, why, why does it take for us to be in that position of pain and suffering before we change? Why is that the catalyst? What about if we taught our children and ourselves that we don't need to get to that point for us to be able to change? What about if we thought about ourselves as, as wonderful human beings with innate intelligence and robust health, and we can keep ourselves functioning, our immune system strong, doing what it's meant to do, which is to fight off viruses, which is to keep ourselves in a state of homeostasis, which means in balance, which I've spoken about, or an in alignment. What about if we spoke about this prevention across the board? How do we maintain that level of balance? And I've asked the question before too, while this virus has happened, why is, why is there no health authority? Why is there no government authority talking about how to keep a, a healthy and robust immune system? You surely, if this virus attacks the immune system, which they say it does, why wouldn't we be encouraged to look at vitamin C, zinc, selenium, vitamin D, how we breathe, how we think, all of these things. Why are we not taught how to meditate? It's all of these things. And so prevention is where it's at in my uh, perception. But we live in a society at the moment where we are fixated on finding a solution or the magic pill and this could be in the form of a vaccine, which will be rushed out, which will not be safety tested properly, that that is going to save us. So again, we're putting something external. We're relying on something external to protect us instead of using our own wisdom, our own education on what can help us to keep going in the most beautiful and loving and healthy way. And I think that's probably I've said enough now, but, uh, you know. Hey, I'm, I'm, listen, you know, yeah, we're, we're singing from the same hymn book there. I totally, totally resonate with everything you just said. Um, yeah. And I know I know you're short on time, and I really am grateful for you hanging out with us today and, and just truly sharing such an inspiring story. I've actually never heard your entrepreneurial journey explained anywhere and i've looked at a lot of stuff that you've you've uh, you've appeared where you've appeared online and and uh, where you've been talking online and uh anyone who's been listening to this has just had um a personal development and a business development course in about an hour and a bit and um, i will finish with this paul if you don't mind because i do please. this well i've got an idea for anybody that's skeptical about anything that i've said i congratulate you Please don't, don't believe a word that I've said. You will probably, you may get one sentence from this hour and 15 minute chat 
that may resonate with you and the rest of you like, ah, it's all bullshit. Feel into that one thing that maybe resonated with you. Ignore the rest. Just feel into that one thing. And if there was nothing, then so be it. You've, you've just wasted an hour and a half of your time and you've, you've reinforced the fact that I'm a dickhead or whatever you might think of me. Um, but for anybody else out there, that something that I've said has, has, has triggered you or has created a feeling in your gut, in your heart, in your body, feel into that. Really feel into that. Because the one thing that I wanted to finish with, Paul, is that we are on a journey for greatness, or each and every one of us, and we will be presented with the tools and the signs and the messages that we require, we require to remove our, belief, our negative belief systems for us to evolve on a day-to-day -day basis. They are out there, and, and all I'll say to you is, from now on, be very, very conscious of different things that enter your awareness. It might be a book that you're walking through a bookstore and, and, and your eye catches it. It might be a friend that suggests you listen to a different podcast than something you've never heard before. It might be a, a chance meeting of an old acquaintance and, and listen to what they say because there might be something in that that will take you down a different path. Think about, look for these signs and these invitations. Don't look at them as opportunities. Look at them as invitations. And some of these invitations or signs may take you down a path where it'll challenge you as well to make sure. And, and the best way I can describe this is when someone makes a decision like these, uh, my demographic over the years have said, Pete, I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to change the way I like. The one thing they generally come back and say is their friends and family and colleagues really tried to sabotage their journey yeah to and and i see that as a test it's an invitation are you committed because once you decide to go down a different path you will have the great invitations opening up to you but at the same time you will be presented with opportunities or invitations to really test whether you're committed or not you really want to go down that path okay we're going to test you we're going to see if you really want this and just, just be aware that that's just another invitation to, hmm, yeah, I do want this. I do want this. Yeah, but thanks for, thanks for the, the, the recognition or the, uh, the, the, the opportunity to see whether I do want this and whether I will take it on. So just be aware. That's all I'll say because when coincidences happen, they're not coincidences. No. Beautiful, beautiful perspective, mate. Coincidence is a sign of a connection. Take two lines where they cross, they coincide. Anyway, Pete, listen, thank you so much, mate. It is, like I said, it's been an inspiring hour and 20 minutes. Um, really appreciate your time. I know how short a time you are these days. And uh, everyone who's been watching this, I am absolutely certain will get immense amounts. As I said, if there's only one thing that resonates and everything else doesn't, give energy to that. Explore it. Discover what it is within you that Peter said to you today that has resonated and discover what is in you that, that, that you know, connects and what you can do with that. So, um, And I'm going to finish, Paul. I love you. I love you. But this, this is the perfect example of this. You and I have been back and forth for the last month trying yeah. to work out a date to do this. 
And when things don't go according to your plan, trust in that. Trust that it wasn't the right time for that to manifest for you. And that's a really difficult one for, it's a challenging one that it can be for, you, for, for people that are in business because they've got their ideas, they've got their, their plan, and all of a sudden something doesn't go according to that plan. Like, oh, trust in that process. Like really go, okay, that wasn't meant to happen now. What's, what's, what's the opportunity here or the invitation that's, that's happening? And you might not be able to see it, but a year down the track you look back and go, that's why that didn't happen. That's why that didn't happen. It, it wasn't meant to be that path because this one has opened up. And I'm going to say something. I'll finish with you. Don't always think it's about you. Yeah. Because what you might offer somebody might change their life. doesn't always have to be about you. And that, that was a, a big realisation for me to, to come to grips with and understand over the last few years. Because I used to think, what's this got to do with me? You know, like, it's like this, this chat today. I don't think this has got anything to do with me. I think it's uh, for it's one person that's out there. That could be it. But I don't know. I have no expectations. Beautiful. I'm not going to say anything else. <laughs> <laughs> anything else is superfluous, my friend. Thank you so very much, Pete. Have a great day. Thank thanks, you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Paul. And thanks for letting me uh, butt in all of those times too, but I love you. You too, mate. All the best. Yeah.